the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's free for all Friday, the 25th morning of the first month of the year of our Lord, 2019. Thanks so much for being with us. Coming up in about a half an hour, we're going to talk to Melissa Atkinson, Atkinson former uh, uh, Senate candidate in the Republican primary. And uh, she has remained very active and is busy and is going to be a guest speaker tomorrow at uh, McFan, Medina County Friends and Neighbors, she tells me. And she's going to be joining us to talk about that and much, much more at about 1035. I want to, before I go back to the phones... I've got a lot of audio that I've been sitting on here that I have all week long that I have not gotten to because of our extensive coverage of the Covington kids uh, and the attack on them by first black Hebrew Hebrew Israelites who assaulted them verbally with some of the most vile, disgusting, reprehensible, despicable things that you can imagine saying to somebody, and they did so repeatedly. Child molesting. Right there. Let's make America great again. A bunch of child molesting. Look at all these dusty crackers with that racist garbage on. Look at these dirty crackers. That's right. A bunch of in- incest babies. A bunch of babies made out of incest. The biggest terrorist on the face of this earth is the pale-faced man, woman, and child. So a bunch of Catholic school kids there uh, in support of the March for Life, standing there, minding their own business, waiting for their bus, uh, attacked relentlessly by black Hebrew Israelites. That's attack number one. Attack number two came from lying, fake, uh, stolen valor, uh, uh, fake uh, Vietnam veteran Nathan Phillips banging a drum inches away from a kid's face who didn't know what to do, so stood there and smiled, um, trying to figure out if this guy was... It was so funny, is listening, if you watch the rest of the video, all of the, or a lot of his classmates behind him, uh, all clapping along to the beat of the drum that Nathan Phillips was pounding. They literally were clapping. And some of them were also singing with him as he sang, as ah uh, stuff. Uh, they didn't know. Was he there to join them, mock them, assault them? Who knew? But, of course, the way it was painted and portrayed, in fact, this is some of the audio. Here is a little bit, just a little montage about how the media trashed those kids before checking the facts. A troubling scene many are calling racist played out in Washington yesterday on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. Some students harassing an older Native American man, a Vietnam vet. Both lies. They were not harassing. They were approached by him. And he is not a Vietnam vet. But don't let the facts get in the way of your story, mainstream media. The situation came to a head when that young man there, wearing a Make America Great Again hat, got right in his face. Got right in his face? Another lie. They were standing on the steps. The video shows Nathan Phillips approaching and getting into the face of young Nick Sandman. Or Sandman. Didn't move. The video appears to show dozens of youths wearing Make America Great Again hats, mocking Native American elder and Vietnam veteran Nathan Phillips. Mocking him, not singing and clapping along with him. They're mocking him, so said the narrative. Yesterday, a Native American man was confronted uh, by young people with Make America Great hats on. Again, they were, he was confronted by them. Do a little bit of homework. Do just a little bit of homework. Anyway, I don't want to go too far. Why did 
the mainstream media and the left so eagerly believe the worst about these white Catholic kids wearing MAGA hats. Whoopi Goldberg on The View actually admitted and acknowledged that people jumped the gun here. And the question was why? Joy Behar was only too eager to answer. People admitted they made snap judgments before these other facts came in. But is it that we just instantly say that's what it is based on what we see in that moment and then have to walk stuff back when it turns out we're wrong? Why is that? Why is do we keep making the same mistake? Before the answer from Joy Behar, I, I always try to be fair. And I despise Whoopi Goldberg and Joy Behar and the rest of those cackling liberal hens on The View. But I will give credit where it's due in the interest of fairness. At least Whoopi Goldberg is saying, why do we keep doing this? Why do we keep making snap judgments about which we are wrong and then have to walk it back? Why do we keep doing this? She is at least acknowledging that they continue to make these mistakes. So why do we do that, Joy Behar? Because we're, we're desperate to get Trump out of office. <laughs> That's why. Not everybody, though. There it is. She just admitted it, and to a rousing round of applause from the studio audience. We are desperate to get Trump out of office that we will make snap judgments and victimize other people in that effort. I mean, a rare admission. A rare moment of clarity from the left. She said, we're desperate to get Trump out of office. Rather than being fair... Rather than evaluating situations for what they are, rather than getting all of the facts, we'll jump to whatever conclusions we have to. We will burn every bridge we have to, and we will leave, we will salt the earth behind us if that's what it takes to get Donald Trump out of office. We don't care how many people we hurt. That's essentially what it said. Now, I want to get one more piece of audio here, and then we'll go to the phones. Um, CNN decided to analyze this by way of one of their liberal... Um, <clears throat> simpletons uh, by the name of uh, Angela Rye, who said, I don't care if the kids were proven right. I don't care if Nathan Phillips was the aggressor. I don't care if the black Hebrew Israelites were the vile racists in the situation. Because they had hats. Hats! It's those hats, I tell you! And just think about the symbol of that red hat. When I see the Make America Great Again hat now, Chris, I am triggered. I'm so triggered. Andre, I think in a lot of ways our friendship has been compromised by the fact that you continue to support this man. The one thing I will say to you to be absolutely fair is more than anybody else that I know on this network, you will regularly take Donald Trump to task. I don't agree with you on this last point, but this Make America Great Again hat is just as maddening and frustrating and triggering for me to look at as a KKK hood. Like, that is the type of hatred well, I would tell you that this. his policies represent. That's because you are a mental midget. Okay? Just understand this, Angela Rye. Half-wit. You're, you're mentally weak. You're dumb. You're not smart. You're ignorant. You're uneducated. Can we, can we make this any clearer? Only an absolute idiot can allow her entire perspective on matters of politics, society, culture, or anything else. 
be so impacted by a piece of red fabric, red cloth, sewn into the form of a hat. There was a campaign slogan for a candidate that you didn't like. Triggers you and makes you lose all sense of reason and, and responsibility and logic and common sense. I'm triggered by that hat. It just it just gets me so worked up. I can't handle it. It's because you're dumb. Intelligent people don't let you know what I didn't like? I didn't like the I'm with her shirts. But I wouldn't walk up to somebody wearing an I'm with her shirt and get in their face and bang the drum slowly until they snapped or smiled at me with a face crime. Circa George Orwell, 1984, by the by. I I, I didn't didn't like the Obama Hope poster, but I didn't go tearing them down and thinking, oh my God, every time I see one of those, it just makes me go crazy. Because I'm not dumb. President Trump has supporters. President Trump has voters. President Trump has people who agree with him that America was once a much better place than it is today. And he wants to try to make it great again like that. A time when people had all kinds of great manufacturing jobs. A time when people were allowed to keep more of their tax dollars so that they could save money for themselves and for their kids and for their futures. A time when blue-collar work in this country was, was not being outsourced so regularly to uh, to other countries. A time when our military might uh, did not have our enemies mocking us. A time when our military might meant that the rest of the world knew you don't screw around with the United States. You don't take their uh, their people hostage because they will not stand for it. There was, there is, there was a time when America was great by those standards. President Trump is trying to restore them all. And two years in, despite all of your, Angela Rye, by way of being on CNN, despite all of your obstruction, despite all of your poisonous lies, your fake news, he has accomplished nearly all of it. The lowest unemployment rate in four or five decades. The highest workforce participation rate in four or five decades. Manufacturing jobs. That Barack Obama said would never be able to return to this country because, what do you have, a magic wand? Yes, he did. And we're seeing it right now because those jobs are back. Do you know that here in Northeast Ohio, in Lorraine, a hundred new steel workers are about to get jobs. They're hiring a hundred new steel workers. Why? Because the president challenged foreign countries who are shipping all of their steel into the United States and challenged them with tariffs, which made them what? Ship a heck of a lot less, which upped the demand for domestic steel production. Now people are going back to work. That's not a magic wand. It's called intelligent policy making. Blacks, Hispanics, women, young workers, teenagers who look for jobs, all at historic lows in unemployment. They're all getting... Uh, the best opportunities they've had in their lives. Military rebuilt. America's enemies once again realizing you don't screw around with the United States. I mean, all of these things are part of, quote, make America great again. And you're triggered when somebody dares to wear that? 
showing support for My goodness, Snowflake. My goodness. You're melting. You're melting under the heat. The pressure applied by the President of the United States. And I think it's kind of glorious. Your call's right after this. AM 1420, The Answer. Your business. All right, 1026, now the Bob France Authority continuing on AM 1420, The Answer. Lisa, my friend from Medina, Lisa Woods uh, with Medina County Friends and Neighbors. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Bob. How are you? Good. What's on your mind today? Hey, I'm really excited um, kicking off the new year um, with McFan. Um, I'm so excited to have Melissa today. She is one beautiful, bright woman, and she is very opinionated and fun to listen to. Um, I, you know, it's just not enough to know about what's going on, but we have to find solutions and we have to find our place and, and, and ways to reverse um, this madness. You know, listening to you today, it almost drives me crazy because it can really be uh, thick and overwhelming for individuals because it just does seem so dark, doesn't it? It does, and it's it's kind of hilarious listening to some of these people, honestly, the ones who... Uh... Like I said, the the last one I was just talking about, they're just so triggered. They're just so outraged. They're, again, they're 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 part of the POS. They're POSs. They're, P- they're perpetually outraged at society. And uh, and 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 it's funny to kind of listen to them, uh, kind of lose their, uh, you know, lose lose all sense of reason and common sense over their over their own, uh, uh, you know, uh, snowflake triggered meltdowns. It's really just a, it's really just an amazing thing to watch. Yeah, it is. It's it's painful actually for me. <laughs> But it's it's good to know that there's things that folks can do, and we can connect with each other, with other groups. It was great to hear from Renacy today. You know, he's finding another avenue to help make change and to keep our country strong and safe. And I just really want to thank all the folks that play their part, um, leaders, elected officials, folks like you, Bob, who who've really, really, you do such a great job at shedding the light on these cockroaches um so that that we know what's going on and we can you know find our place in the game so thank well, you well they so they much. are yeah well thank you for saying that lisa and they are every bit that uh you know it's sad to say and 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 uh i'm gonna let you go here i'm gonna tell them we'll talk more about mcfan uh when i talk to melissa in just a few minutes but but they are every bit that and we do need to shine the light on them and i don't know how much good it does you're right it's one thing to, to identify all the problems then we have to find the solutions uh, most of what we're doing on the air is talking about all the problems uh but we do we we uh we have got to work together on solutions and i know that's what you and the good people at mcfan are trying to do every uh every other saturday as well out at uh, uh in valley city so we'll talk more about that with melissa atkinson coming up she'll be your guest speaker tomorrow for now though uh jerry is in brecksville next on am 1420 the answer hi jerry go ahead yeah bob uh, i think uh, uh pelosi and her uh men and uh schumer Minions, Schumer, I think they're backing anarchy. I haven't heard anything from her, and I think she is Catholic, about that thing in Washington, D.C. with those Catholic boys. Uh, I think they... She is Catholic. Well, she's Catholic in name, Jerry, uh, to clarify that. She is Catholic. She is Catholic in name. She proudly brags about her Catholicism and yet continues to... um, uh, you know, uh, to advocate for, uh, abortion, which is, of course, against Catholic doctrine and church teachings, but she does claim to be Catholic, yes. She is a phony, in, in my opinion. She's a big phony, and her minion, 
Schumer is the same thing. And I think those two people want anarchy because the way those black kids well, acted in Washington, D.C., and these immigrants coming in who throw stones and bottles and everything else at the police are illegal and don't obey the law, and that's anarchy to me. Well, it is, and uh, and uh, and and the the ones in uh, in D.C. that you're talking about weren't kids, however, though, Jerry. Those were grown men, the black Hebrew Israelites, what you're talking about, who are attacking those kids with that vile uh, language and so on and so forth. Uh, they're grown men, and they are a militant organization. Want to know how bad the black Hebrew Israelites Israelites are? They do not even enjoy the support of the far left Southern Poverty Law Center that exists to demonize and destroy. Uh, conservative organizations, but the black Hebrew militant or uh, Hebrew uh, Israelites are so militant and so dangerous that even the Southern Poverty Law Center considers them to be a hate group. That's who. Uh, that's how bad they are. And then you're right about the immigrants uh, crossing our border and throwing bottles and rocks at uh, border patrol agents uh, and assaulting them. It is. It is. Um, it is very, very much. Um, uh, perhaps a, a few steps anyway toward anarchy. And it is something that I think the left is uh, is fostering. All right, going to get news now. It's 1031 on the other side of the news. Former Senate candidate Melissa Atkinson, who will be the guest speaker in McFan tomorrow with some uh, words of wisdom for us next on AM 1420 The End. Um. two sides to every story there's the mainstream media side and then there's the truth you are experiencing the truth the bob france authority on am 1420 the answer kind of hard for this you know i uh (laughs) i just want to sit here listen and get ready to rock to be honest with you uh, 1036, the Bob France Authority continues on AM 1420, The Answer. Appreciate you being with us. We talked with uh, Congressman Jim Renacci, who uh, obviously was uh, a candidate for the United States Senate seat uh, held by Sherrod Brown in this past election cycle. One of his primary opponents for that Republican bid, however, was Melissa Atkinson, who... Um, uh, has continued to stay very active as a uh, as a conservative pundit and speaker, and she is going to be the guest speaker tomorrow at the Madonna Friends and Neighbors Gathering at 8 a.m. in Valley City. Melissa describes herself as a liberty-loving, gun-toting, 1966 Caddy DeVille driving, Bible-carrying, 80s and 90s hip-hop enthusiast, wife, mom, Mac, and conservative well, I think I'll leave off the two initials and letters that follow that. She joins us now on uh, AM 1420, The Answer. Did I cover it all there, Melissa, in bringing you onto the program? Oh, I, I think you did a great job, Bob. How are you? <laughs> all I did was read your Twitter bio, which is pretty doggone hilarious, uh, to be honest you know, with you. Bob, I had to pull myself off of Twitter. I really try to focus on Facebook more than anything. There's just not enough characters in the day on Twitter. I totally agree. Uh, and, and also Twitter is toxic. It is absolutely toxic. It is poison. It is the judgment zone of the country. People's lives are ruined because of the judges and juries and executioners on it. Uh, and I despise it. And I'll be honest with you, uh, Melissa, uh, the day I retire from radio, and I hope that day is a long way off, but the day I do, I will delete that app, uh, and never look back. 
Now, I'm not saying Facebook isn't and can't be bad or toxic either, because it can. But um, I, I find Twitter to be just because of the hit-and-run nature of it, because it just disappears as the timeline rolls on. Um, it, it's it's just so much more poisonous, I think, for everybody, quite frankly, who's on that platform. I, I, I'm ashamed to, to have an account on it. I feel I need it for my radio, though. I'm with you, and I can see why you do. A lot of a lot of keyboard warriors out there, isn't there, Bob? There are, there are, and it's and and it's not just them. You know, it's 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 boy, it's it's so hard because there are a lot of people who use it for good, and they have to find a way to navigate between the evils of it to use it to get messages out for good, including a lot of the pro life sites. You know, we um, you and I have both uh, been sharing some. Uh, messages uh, after what happened in New York, New York City, New York State earlier this week, as uh, Governor Cuomo signed the death sentence for uh, thousands and thousands of uh, of babies who can be murdered all the way up to full term uh, because of what they've done there. You know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of good that can be done in trying to unite people against such evils on social media. But again, you have to navigate the minefield that is uh, that is social media. You got it. Melissa, what's the uh, what's the theme tomorrow? You're going to be the guest speaker at uh, Medina County Friends and Neighbors, uh, which of course uh, is run by Lisa Woods, my good friend, and uh, uh, it's such a wonderful event that they have twice every month uh, out in Valley City at the Copper Top Restaurant at the Cherokee Hills uh, uh, Golf Club. Uh, what's what what are you talking about? So you know, initially I was invited to come in and to talk about grassroots strategy. Although I came mm-hmm. in third place in the primary for the U.S. Senate race. You know, I was virtually, not virtually, I was an absolute no-name when it came to the political scope, was able to run a really high-energy grassroots campaign, of course, lost 30 pounds in the process and missed out on about a year of my family's, you know, happenings here. But we were able to obtain over close to 100,000 votes, 100,000 votes on about 50 cents per vote, despite being outspent by millions and, and gentlemen who had fairly strong financial positioning as well as name recognition recognition so um i think there are definitely ways that we can get people politically involved for me personally if i'm honest about this uh, i don't know that the world of politics is something that i'm really focusing on at this point Uh, i think as citizens my example to others would be to use your voice create a brand build a platform and then focus on those conservative ideals to really bring things to light, because I think those those advocates are, are just as important. So tomorrow will be a lot of talk about how to build that brand, how to be successful in that space. Uh, and then, of course, you know, we will probably have like a Congo line and a dance off some break dancing. I, I don't know how it's going to go. Um, you know, it, it, I want to go back to the campaign. Um, did you ever think when you uh, decided to run in that primary that you could win? I'll be honest, I did. I really, really did. Um, you know, again, being honest, um, I do believe in God's will. And so I believe that he puts people into positions of power and authority uh, at, at his will, you know, regardless of financial positioning. Towards the end, you know, we have to be honest when it comes to the position that I was in. But I never wanted to let my supporters down because you have to understand I was going to people and I was asking them to contribute to my campaign. I had a really hard time going to traditional Republican events because I felt uncomfortable spending money to sit down and have dinners when the families that gave me money uh, are unable to go out to eat themselves 
for a nice meal. So that really um, kind of put up roadblocks in terms of my ability to network. So I had to really build this huge personality, which is my personality, and just drive that home any opportunity that I could get uh, to really talk about the serious nature and where we are as a country right now. So did I believe that I could win? Yes, I did. And I believe that I was the, the recipe that was necessary, you know, to, to take Sherrod Brown out. Uh, did I think it was possible uh, upon being outspent by millions and millions in establishment endorsements? You know, it, it started looking bleaker and bleaker, but I was never going to stop fighting. I was never going to that, that That was the reason for the question. Um, you know, it certainly wasn't intended to be negative or derogatory in any way. No. It's just that you started out by talking about the fact that you were literally an unknown, not virtually, literally an unknown at the start of that process, going against guys with both higher name recognition and much deeper uh, campaign coffers. And so that's why I wondered if you actually thought you could win or if you knew it was going to be a futile effort, but it was just important to get your messages out there. And what advice yeah. would you give somebody who's thinking that way, that maybe, I, and, and, and maybe I'm, it's a wrong follow-up question, because you said, no, you really felt like you could win. But to somebody who wants to run a grassroots campaign that they perhaps hope they could win, but aren't super confident about it, is it worth their time anyway just to, A, get your particular messages out there, especially if you have good, strong, conservative messages that need to be heard? And then number two, to make whoever is going to win be much, much better than they presently are. Make them answer some of the things that you are bringing up. And if they beat you, fine, but they're going to go into that race against the Democrat, for example, much, much better prepared. I would absolutely encourage somebody, despite the way things shake out, to run for office. Um, you know, it's interesting because I always thought prior to getting into the political realm, you know, I come from uh, an executive HR background. We built billion-dollar organizations with the best talent that we could find across the globe, all right? And so I was under the assumption that, man, these folks are, are based on skill and capability, and certainly they've owned businesses, you know, and I, I bet these are the brightest and best minds, but what you quickly find out is that's not at all the case. And in the private sector, when you apply for a job, whether it's an executive vice president or whether it's an hourly employee role on a manufacturing line, there are several people that you have to be able to compete with to be placed into that role. If I can show people that by filling the political field with more qualified candidates to make it difficult for those who have lived a life of politics only, I think that's a good thing. Whether you win or lose, it will eventually shape the culture. Melissa Atkinson is uh, my guest. She is, again, a former Senate candidate, ran in the primary uh, for the Republican Party as uh, Jim Renacci eventually won that and uh, and was unsuccessful at unseating Sherrod Brown. And she's going to be talking tomorrow at the Medina County Friends and Neighbors meeting, their uh, twice-monthly meeting at uh, in Valley City at the Copper Top Restaurant at the Cherokee Hills Golf Course. And, uh, Melissa, uh, what, else do you, what else are you doing these days in the, uh, you know, you said you came from an executive HR background, and then, of course, you became a political candidate. What are you doing now? Are you back in HR or? Or are you just working no, in? Uh, no. mm-hmm. My husband and I own a small business. That's kind of how we hit the platform when I first started challenging policies as it related to um, some of the entitlement systems, the difficulty I had with hiring people for a nursing company that I owned, uh, the multitude of government entities that my husband and I answer to, aside from federal taxes, local taxes, state taxes, city taxes, unemployment insurance, workers' comp, 
really pushing back on some of those things as small business owners. So I went right back into the same role and the same life that I had, you know, being a mom to a two-year-old, a nine-year-old, and I have two older sons who are out of the house, but running the business. And then I, of course, ended up getting involved with the Ohio Value Voters, uh, mm-hmm. took a real interest in the comprehensive sex education going on in the classroom, how we've turned these uh, these these uh, platforms are now coming into the public school systems and where we originally were focused on reproductive health, how a baby's made, et cetera, we've turned this into just a complete debauchery in the classroom. So I started getting really involved with that. I became a board member and a parent advocate for the Ohio Bureau of Children with Medical Handicaps based on my son's condition. I'm very involved at the local level and the national level with the pregnancy care centers and all of the pro-life groups. Um, You know, I try to build bridges, and I think we always talked about this. You know, I grew up on the west side of Columbus, very integrated area. I have a a very diverse background myself, um, you know, from an ethnic perspective. And so I always wanted to get involved in conservative causes that built bridges with non-traditional partners. So you may see me anywhere from presenting, you know, to a group of Somali-American Muslims uh, who are leaning Republican based on conservative principles, but they're afraid of the party, uh, to, you know, speaking at a pro-life event. I I try to just use my voice for good. Uh, I'm not really motivated by money. I'm, I'm motivated on making a better way for my kids. I can tell. I can tell the passion is genuine in your voice and everything that I see and read about you as well, and including on your social media. Hey, let me ask you one last thing before you go. Um, obviously, we were all very disheartened by what happened in New York this week, uh, as we ju- as I just discussed, and I know how pro-life you are as well. Uh, and I know you work with Ohio Value Voters, and they worked very hard at trying to get the heartbeat bill passed in Ohio uh, at the end of the last term. And it did pass. And then, of course, John Kasich, pseudo-Republican uh, and pseudo-conservative that he always was, vetoed it. It came up just shy of being overridden by the Ohio State Senate. But new Governor Mike DeWine says he will sign this thing if it is put back before him. Uh, if you and the folks at Ohio Value Voters uh, uh, worked uh, toward this, what is it going to take to get this back on his desk? I, I believe 100% Mike DeWine will stay committed to this, uh, where I don't agree with him on every issue. I believe that he is a champion uh, for the pro-life cause, uh, and I, I have full confidence that he'll, he'll take care of that. This has, to get, this has to get voted on again, though, right? Because it was vetoed the first time. Do they have to re-present this and re-vote on it in the uh, General Assembly? Oh, yeah, I believe that's what he'll do, and I believe that the pressure, the public pressure is on at this point that we are not going to have any issues. That's my prediction. Yeah, and that's what that's what I hope is the case too. He he did say on Hugh Hewitt's program this week that uh, he would absolutely sign it, but of course it's got to get back to his desk. And I'm just going to urge, and I know you and the good folks at the Ohio Value Voters and the other organizations that are pro-life will uh, get into the ears of our representatives and state senators right now and do not delay. Get this thing back before another vote and get it on the desk of a governor who actually will uh, sign it. And and it's not perfect. It's not perfect, the heartbeat bill, but it is a great start. It is a great start to outlaw abortion after the detection of a fetal heartbeat, and it will indeed save the lives of uh, of countless numbers of babies in the state of Ohio. So I hope that happens sooner rather than later. Uh, so Melissa Atkinson, Melissa Atkinson, uh, um, she'll again be the guest speaker tomorrow morning. Uh, at uh, the Medina County Friends and Neighbors event. It's, it's 8 o'clock or 8.30. I always ask Lisa this, and I forget. Is it 8 or 8.30? It's 8.30 to 10 o'clock, and I think I'll be going on probably pretty early on and then scooting out. 
I think you can get there just a little early. Uh, there's always refreshments or donuts and coffee, that sort of thing as well. But go find yourself a seat, shake the hands of some neighbors and friends. And even if you're not a neighbor of Medina County, uh, you know, a resident of Medina County, rather, if you are able to get out there and go and listen to Melissa speak and uh, share some uh, some stories and some strategies with like-minded people, it's a really great opportunity to, to do that. So uh, tomorrow morning, 8.30, as she said, at uh, in Valley City at the Copper Top Restaurant at the Cherokee Hills Golf Course. Melissa, it's always a pleasure catching up. I know we're going to hear more from you, and I hope I hear from you on a regular basis on this program as well. You got it, Bob. We'll talk to you soon. God bless. Thank you so much. God bless you and uh, everything that you're doing, Melissa. Thank you so much. That's Melissa Atkinson, again, former Senate candidate and now uh, a pundit and a and an activist and a speaker uh, on matters of pro-life and other conservative values and ideals, and I think she's just an absolutely wonderful person, and I hope we uh, have a regular correspondence with her. All right, 1050. That means it's time for another look at our traffic. And on the flip side of that, uh, it'll be the last segment of the program and your last chance to get on the air. 216-901-0945, on the Bob France Authority. All right, 1052, as noted, uh, final segment of the broadcast this morning. I want to get a call or two in here, and then I want to talk to our producer of the show, uh, uh, Dr. Samuel Lockhart, who is a pastor, and I want to get his thoughts from his um, uh, faithful point of view and his pastoral point of view on this uh, horrific uh, law that was passed in the city or in the state of New York earlier uh, this week. Uh, Amy and Hudson, you're on AM 1420. The answer first, though. Amy, go right ahead. Uh, wait a second. I've got to get you on. There you go. I'm sorry, you were on the uh, speakerphone. Uh, yes, I have one suggestion for President Trump. Yes. And that is, please, if you can, hire an advertising agency to get your message across. Nancy Pelosi and company, they have their airwaves. They've got, people are believing them. But an advertising agency probably could be able to reach people's hearts and minds for President Trump. That's it. Uh, well, I appreciate it. That was quick and to the point. Uh, that was a great suggestion, and I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Uh, in fact, that was so quick, I have time to get in one more before I talk to uh, Dr. Lockhart. Esther in Cleveland. Go ahead, Esther. Thanks. This is a good time for people to check out the Obama uh, 30-second audio and video from 2008, the one where he said, uh, if my, one of my daughters make a, my daughters make a, an error that he, uh, doesn't want them to be punished by a baby. Search it's March 2008, Johnson, Pennsylvania. And also look at some of the comments. They're trying to backpedal, say he wasn't talking about abortion. When you listen to his voice, it's so powerful. I think it was not any Freudian slip. And some of the comments, they're trying to say, oh, well, they're diverting. They're saying, oh, well, think of all the times that politicians have lied. And then Obama, he had to be in talking about abortion. He's on the campaign trail. There's no question about it. That's exactly what he was talking about. Everything else was an attempt to cover politically. There's, there's just no, uh, no two ways about it. Esther, thank you so much. I want to bring uh, Samuel onto the program now. Samuel is uh, running the show. And uh, Samuel, for those who do not know, is a multifaceted and multi-experienced man. Uh, he is uh, an Air Force veteran. He is a uh, a doctor. He has a Ph.D. in theological studies, and he is a uh, a, a pastor as well, and uh, as well as being a radio producer and a radio show host as well. So uh, he's got a lot to offer here, Samuel. Um, as I said to you yesterday, 
I spent the entire program on that horrific abortion law that allows essentially women to uh, to have uh, you know an abortion up until their due date, uh, as long as there is a health reason involved, and that can mean anything from physical health to mental health to financial health. And if a woman says, "I just can't handle this," she can uh, she can request an abortion literally right up until the due date of her baby. And I spoke about this at length yesterday from a faith perspective, but you have a little bit more on that than I do. You're, you're a Ph.D. in theological studies. What was your takeaway from what you saw and heard in New York? Well, for me, it was disgusting when you think about the fact that, um, I, and I think you did it best when you, you shared the meme with us at 12.05 on being born, but at 12.04, I'm being murdered. And that's exactly what it is, because if we look at Jeremiah, the first chapter, it says that the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. So if God knows you, you are life. And before you were born, I set you apart. So if God knows you, you are life. And then when I think about Exodus, the 21st chapter, when it talks about if you make a woman prematurely abort a baby, there's a penalty that you have to pay in the book of Exodus when it talks about eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. So life for me, my belief, and for many other Christians, is at conception. It's at conception. How can we allow someone to tell us in the final trimester, the day of delivery, that that's not murder? It's murder, no matter how we look at it. Yet, the people that matter most do not see it that way. And those are the people in the halls of Congress, and those are the people, at least in 1973, that were on the Supreme Court. And yet, and so everything that you just said, true and accurate as it is, means nothing. We can't stop it. We can't stop women from being counseled by horrific, satanic, demonic groups like Planned Parenthood who monetize these women's pregnancy and then the termination of those babies' lives. We're powerless to stop it, are we not? We are powerless to, to stop it because we think that if you, if you make a decision, it's a right. So we're trying to take what we say to make what we feel better, to make ourselves feel better. Wrong is still going to be wrong no matter how we look at it. Do you think we have any chance? There's Especially chance. with... As long as God is on the throne, there's a chance. And there will always be a chance because he will have a remnant somewhere. Okay. Uh, and, and, you know, the reason I was asking is you saw how crazy the left went trying to keep Judge Brett Kavanaugh, who is pro-life, off of the Supreme Court, and now they're going to try to remove him from the Supreme Court. Meanwhile, Ruth Bader Ginsburg is in very, very poor health. God forbid. I do not want her to be in poor health, by the way. But it could very well mean she cannot serve on the Supreme Court anymore, and the president is probably going to vote for us, uh, nominate a pro-life Catholic like Amy Coney Barrett. Is that where our chance comes, when the Supreme Court changes its makeup so drastically that perhaps when somebody brings a challenge to Roe versus Wade, we do have uh, you know, an opportunity for that to change? That's where, the, that's where we'll come. It has to come there. There will be someone on the, on, sitting on the courts that's going to do what's right. Samuel, I appreciate it, my friend. Again, uh, your, uh, your experience in these matters, uh, particularly as it pertains to faith, is very valuable. And I thank you so much for that. A uh, quick reminder before we go <laughs> on Sunday. 
at uh, Kennedy's Theater at Playhouse Square, St. Augustine's Health Ministries, Flanagan's Wake, a hilarious interactive Irish wake. Proceeds going to St. Augustine Health Ministries. Please uh, take part in that if you can. It's a wonderful opportunity. That's all the time that I've got. Mike Gallagher's next. Bye-bye. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.